want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Mark Miller. Title sponsors. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Now here is joining as as our local baseball excerpt expert and Grateful Dead groupie Steve Clowkey. Steve, good morning. I'm grateful to be alive <laughs> at my age. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it, man. You're you're you're, you're like what are you? 82 now. Um, I'll be 67 <laughs> this weekend, so yes. Still, this weekend, well, happy birthday. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> I right. made it that far. Yeah, well, there you actually, go. I haven't yet, but we'll see. Oh, you don't want to curse yourself like Betty White, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she didn't curse herself. It was all Somebody the magazines did. that yeah, yeah. were celebrating her 100th birthday. Yeah, yeah, a month before. Although that would be awesome if you lived a, a life uh, like she lived, that's Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, she was an all-time treasure. So they put in uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, mm-hmm. and he is a former buzz man, right? I mean, if I remember correctly, the buzz and all with the stadium and the great ballpark that's still going strong, it started in time for the 94 season. Is that accurate? That is correct. And uh, we were a Minnesota affiliate through the 2000 season, and David played a handful of games in 97 and in 98, but spent the entire season in 1999 here in Salt Lake uh, with a September call-up later. And he, 30 home runs, 110 runs batted in the 30 homers was a team record for a left-handed hitter until Jared Walsh broke it two years ago with, with 36. He had you know, 35 doubles, like I say, 110 runs batted in. And uh, the, the problem for David at that point was – I think it was only five games the entire season where he DH'd. He was at first base the entire year and set a franchise record that'll never be broken. That's 20 errors in one season at first base. I mean, that's almost that's almost impossible to do. He's not exactly Keith Hernandez over there at the, at the first. No, at first no, bag. no, and, and so I think that's why he <laughs> fell out of favor uh, with Minnesota. Of course, it didn't help that that year when he got called up, he went 0 for 20 at the plate. But uh, Tom Kelly, the longtime Twins manager didn't like DHs. He wanted to use the DH spot as maybe a half day off for his gotcha. regular lineup. And so, uh, you know, the, he, David really never had a chance to be successful with Minnesota. The best thing to happen to him was when the Twins released him. He ended up going to the Boston Red Sox where he had such a stellar career. Yeah, I saw that he has spent the most uh, percentage of his time as a DH. I think they said 88% mm-hmm. of his time was as a DH. I mean, occasionally Boston would use him in, in a National League park where there was no DH. Uh, they'd use him at first base, but uh, for the most part, it was safe for all concerned to be uh, at the at the DH spot. But he was a he was a fun guy when he was in Salt Lake. Uh, before he was the big poppy, he was known as the Big O. Uh, with all due respect to uh, Oscar Robertson, and uh, <laughs> I guess my favorite uh, Ortiz story was one time he was taking batting practice, stopped what he was doing, and uh, put his bat down on home plate, started to walk around the batting cage, and nobody had any idea what he was doing. Well, it turns out he walked straight up to me, took his hat off, put it on my head, and said, here, the glare's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you're a little follically challenged? Exactly. That's, that's the correct term that I use, follically challenged. <laughs> so he's always been a big personality then. Absolutely, absolutely. And he just, you know, the, uh, the, the Red Sox fans fell uh, you know, in love with him right away. Of course, uh, uh, you know, the 2004 home run that extended that ALCS that led to the greatest comeback in postseason history uh, for the Red Sox over the Yankees. And you know, that just endeared him for the rest of his career. And he had that great personality.
personality. He had the, you know, the profane uh, retort uh, in his uh, in the Red Sox comeback after the bombing situation yeah. uh, in the uh, Boston Marathon, and uh, and that just endeared him even more. And uh, I don't know of. In, in in our last 20 years or whatever, a guy who had more clutch hits than anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball. And, of course, uh, it, it's interesting. I was looking at his numbers. He actually led the Major Leagues in doubles his last year as a player. Doubles and runs batted in, but the doubles thing really surprised me. Because he's not fleet of foot? Well, I, I just I can, I can see David stretching a lot of doubles into singles. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm wondering, uh, you and I have talked to baseball with you many times over the years. We're a couple of baseball guys. Uh, The only difference is I like going to concerts more, and I've gravitated towards soccer, and you've resisted both. Other than that, that, we're we're like brothers from different mothers. I mean, it's just right there. So, you know, in my conversations with you over the years, you've been able to say, okay, this guy's going to be this and that and so forth, and you're accurate basically in your predictions. I'm wondering if you foresaw any of this, or what did you foresee for David Ortiz going forward after? he was done with his minor league stints. It's interesting, PK, because uh, I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about that. It's just, I, there's no way in the world I thought that. I thought he was maybe maybe even just going to be a 4A player, a guy who puts up great numbers in the minor leagues, but not in the majors, because he hadn't shown anything with Minnesota, and particularly after that big 1999 season with us going over 20 uh, in, in the big leagues, I thought, okay, well, we'll probably see him again in 2000. Well, he did spend a couple of years in the big leagues with Minnesota, never coming back to the minor leagues before he ended up with Boston, so no, I had no idea that... Uh, that was going to be what, what kind of a future that David Ortiz was going to have, let alone a Hall of Fame career. So he was another, what was it, uh, you thought he might be another Bernardo Burrito? Yes, I absolutely. absolutely. That's a good uh, correlation there. I think, uh, you know, Bernardo was a guy, maybe he never got the chance he deserved as a designated hitter uh, in the Twins organization, and it was his own fault that he never left the Twins organization because he kept re-signing with Minnesota because he loved playing for uh, the buzz owner, Joe Buzis, uh, partially because... He would pay him under the table, uh, like five hundred dollars for every home run that he hit, and a thousand dollars if it was a grand slam or a game winner. Uh, Joe Buzis, the Bill Veck of minor league baseball. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. Those were uh, those were some good names. Now, Steve Clocky joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike Trout spent what three weeks here, yeah. and then we we knew he was destined for stardom. The for before he even got here, right? So seeing what he's doing is not a surprise. So he's most likely going to go in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm wondering, has there been another player, any other player, not necessarily just like an injury rehab, mm-hmm. but spent any fair amount of time here that is in the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, the only one that ever has prior to David was uh, an injury rehab guy, like you said. Paul Molitor played two games for us in 1998 down in Tucson and went uh, 5 for 10 at the plate. But uh, no, nobody else uh, uh, in this franchise's uh, history has made it to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I, I don't know that uh, there's anybody. I, mean, I guess the closest guy that could get there but probably won't would be Torrey Hunter. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know if it's done, but should they retire David Ortiz's number with the with the bees? I'd be curious to see which one because I think he wore primarily he wore twenty three in, in, in a in a buzz uniform, 
And by the way, if, if, if people want to see it on YouTube, there's actually, a, um, uh, this has been on YouTube for many, many years. Uh, the uh, uh, I think it was KSL put together a, a David Ortiz buzz highlight package, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting to watch. He was uh, he was definitely skinnier back then. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> Steve Cloudy joining us. And we know that right now there's a lockout. Can you explain what effect that will have on minor league baseball, particularly AAA with the Bs? Well, the good news is that there's no effect uh, in regards to the games being played. Uh, the, the minor league schedule will begin as uh, it is right now on April the 5th with the Bs opening in Tacoma. The only effect that there will be is that 40-man roster players won't be allowed to play. Now, I really think lockout would be done by then, but just in case it's not. So that would cost... Salt Lake, maybe six or seven players, five or six players, something like that. And maybe guys who would normally be a double-A would be playing a triple-A. But as far as uh, uh, the games themselves, they will definitely uh, be played. Yeah, that's true. We're extending it now. That's uh, Gosh, we get past uh, into April, and they haven't settled these things. There's a bunch of knuckleheads at that point. Exactly, uh, exactly. Of course, the, the one thing that's going to be very interesting, I, don't, I haven't heard uh, uh, your opinion on this, but uh, Salt Lake is going to be one of the – I think 10 or 11 uh, AAA ballparks in which there will not be uh, home plate umpires calling balls and strikes. They'll be there to call uh, safer out at the plate and check swings and all that. But uh, Salt Lake's going to be one of the uh, 10 or 11 ballparks where we're going to have robo-umpires. So they're going to have uh, lasers or whatever uh, around the ballpark, and they're going to determine what pitches a ball and what pitches a strike. I have to see how it goes. You know, I think that baseball needs to make some changes to quote-unquote modernize itself uh, for for fans. I mean, you look at what the NFL and NBA has done, because ultimately, it. I always put, particularly at the pro level and and baseball, minor league, professional, uh, major league, that, that is pro baseball either way. So to me, it's first and foremost entertainment. I know for some folks, uh, particularly those involved, it's about winning, it's about competition. Uh, but for me, it's about entertainment. And if you can make the game more entertaining, now don't make it a joke, I'm not saying that, but if you can make it more entertaining, I'm all for it, whatever those changes might be. And so uh, I, I want to reserve judgment. You know, I, I think that instant replay has taken away to a large degree the uh, histrionics of Earl Weaver going out, right. turning the cap back, and just spitting, flying everywhere, going face to face with umpires. And and from a uh, from a fan standpoint, that was always highly entertaining to see Billy Martin. You know, you what's he going to do? You don't want it to get physical. I think Pete Rose had, had uh, kind of pushed an umpire once, right. but you know the throwing of the uh, the dirt on the home pl- on home mm-hmm. plate. People view that as entertaining. Now you can get carried away, chucking bases, or the, what was there one minor league dude who was out there. Uh, crawling like he was yeah, in the yeah, military Norman, or something. Uh, yeah, he was uh, yeah. crawling like he was an infantryman yeah, and yeah. throwing the <laughs> rosin bag like it was a grenade. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, PK, because with all the technology that they have and setting this up with the robo-umpires and all that, why is it in football we still rely on two guys with a 10-foot-long chain to determine first downs? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and spotting spotting of the ball. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But but at the same time, if it's fourth down and, and inches, what did you get? You feel a surge of a jolt of energy go through the crowd. Right. You know, as they stretch that thing out and you're trying to judge it no matter if you're at home or you're in the stands, you're trying to judge wherever you might be and it adds to the drama of the sport. So again that's so in that situation the entertainment value is greater than it would be getting it right. Yes. <laughs> and for me, who normally doesn't care, I don't have an NFL team. Uh, I'm just I want to be entertained like last week I was entertained I mean it was entertained right. off the charts uh, and no matter it doesn't matter to me who wins I to me I view it as going to movie I want to be entertained and that, that that portion of it is entertainment so I have to see before you get out of here obviously the 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 guys the bonds Clemens uh, Schilling I, I think Sosa sort of out there in no man's land mm-hmm. but those other three you know, they were more pillars of the game. Their 10-year tour of being on the writer's ballot is over. Uh, your thoughts? I, I, you know, I, it's, it's interesting with, with those guys because I think all of them, maybe not so much Schilling, but certainly Bonds and Clemens, these guys, before they allegedly started uh, using steroids, they had Hall of Fame careers. I, I guess Bonds was enamored with the home run, uh, much like A-Rod was enamored with the home run instead of put, just putting up great overall numbers. And Clemens had great numbers. Now, obviously, maybe the steroids helped Roger have the amount of success he had late in his career and all that. Uh, I guess it's one of those things, uh, not everybody used it, but there was a, a vast majority, you have to think, uh, were using it. So they were... From a competition standpoint, it was fairly level. So, you know, maybe slap their hands and, and not vote them in on the first ballot or the second or whatever. But I think in the long run, they eventually deserve it. And uh, and even with Pete Rose, I think he deserves to uh, be in the Hall of Fame because everything that he was accused of and convicted of came as a manager and not as a player. Uh, don't let him back in baseball. Just let him be in the Hall of Fame. So I think those guys eventually will get in. Maybe not Pete. The events. Uh, I'll be curious to see, though, how the Veterans Committee handles all this, because they, they've kind of been staunch anti-steroid right. users. And obviously, David was accused of it one time, and the, and the one time he tested positive, that test was thrown out as invalid. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thought is that I was listening to Harold Reynolds talk, and he was saying that the, the one thing he thought steroids did is baseball. It's about what you do when you're gassed. You know, when you when you enter the season, everyone's fresh and so forth. But when we get into late July, August, and he felt that that's where the steroids really kicked in and the advantages because uh, at that point you got injuries, you got fatigue, you don't even know what city you're in, you're traveling all the time, blah blah blah. And he felt like that could put guys over the edge. As I look back at that error, it's like everybody looked the other way, and now all of a sudden we're going to look straight at him and say, "How dare you?" Well, let's put it this way, PK. The- guy who oversaw the whole thing and hit it was in is in the hall of fame bud selig yeah and and quite frankly uh to get by the dog days of july and august and september back in the 40s 50s and 60s it was greenies so uh, some there was some sort of enhancement used all throughout the history of baseball and it's basically been looked the other way in in the other sports so i don't know why the attention maybe it's because baseball historically is so statistics driven that people uh, uh, look at it differently than they do and uh, because i'm sorry but guys who are 6'4", 310 pounds on a football field shouldn't be running a 4'640". I'm sorry, that's that's just not physically right. Yeah, that's what they were talking about on Baseball Network, too. The problem with Bonds is he broke 
arguably, maybe unarguably, the most sacred record, individual record of all of sports, and he broke it by someone who was viewed as the ultimate statesman of the game. And obviously, I'm talking about the home run record. So they were they were sort of surmising that if he would have just hit like 710 home runs, mm-hmm. maybe he'd have a better chance <laughs> well, to get in. You, you think he would have gotten in had he had the same uh, outgoing, friendly personality as David Ortiz? And he certainly didn't have that. He was, no. And the thing about him is that I was going to the same university that he was going to at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And I knew guys. And they were talking about that then. Little <laughs> <laughs> so, around campus. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys live, I live right next door to guys on the team. And and they were talking. I got to know them because I mean, I, and I went. I had been a big ASU baseball fan since the time I was 15 years old, and so I'd I would oh, they had the weekend series, and I would be there at least two of the three games. Maybe not the Friday night because I had to work, but I would be there Saturday and Sunday every home series. So I was a huge fan, and those guys were my guys. And so I had heard about that stuff, and certainly, yeah, that played in. And, and we got to go to break, and I, I wish mm-hmm. I could keep you more because it's the same thing with Schilling. I just don't know that I want these writer types, these voters, to be arbiters of morality. Right. I, I feel a little uncomfortable. Even though I don't, I, Schilling is out there. I mean, he's way out there. There's Very no way so. I got that stuff going on in my life. I mean, I, I want to be way far more down the middle than he's ever been. But yet, I look at him, who do I want to give the ball to with the game on the line? Uh, in my lifetime, I mean, I, I, I don't remember Koufax and those guys, but guys that I've seen, Schilling has got to be right at the top. Yeah, there's a few uh, right there, obviously, uh, I guess in my lifetime, since I am older, I, I think it, it, for me it starts and stops with Bob Gibson. Of course, Gibson, yeah, but I didn't. I never saw him. Well, I, I did, and he, right. was, he was fun to watch. Oh, I saw the stats, yeah, and, and, and he was unbelievable, no doubt about it, so all time, but I'm talking about, you know, in the 70s, 80s, right, and 90s, right. I mean, Schilling is... I think there's something. There should be something for that, but I guess we'll see what the Veterans Committee do. Exactly. Does. All right. All right. Well, thanks. We appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us in that insight. And go Weber State Wildcats. Should be fun. Uh, fun night tomorrow night up at Northern Colorado. Battle for first place. All right. Thanks. There you Thank go. You. Thanks, Steve. That's Steve Clowkey. He's doing Wildcat uh, football and basketball, and of course, he has been uh, doing the radio for the. What have they been? The Buzz. They've been. What were they? The Stingers and now the Bees, right? Correct. And he's seen literally hundreds of guys come through. Yeah. And Big Poppy did play here. He was here for three seasons. And the only le- real, not a uh, uh, injury replacement guy, who's gone on into the Hall of Fame. All right. Stay with us. we got a lot more to get to. Coach Tim LaCombe is going to join us at the top of the hour. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.